morning, everybody. Our Bible reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, reading verses 6 to 11. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 11. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, church. My name is Rob. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. And, um, you know, there's, there's things in this world, isn't there, that, we're, uh, that give us a, a level of suspicion. Suspicion, right? Um, unfamiliar dogs. Don't touch that dog because you don't know because that dog could be a nasty dog. So don't pet it until you know. That gives us a level of suspicion. Um, Nigerian princes that are online. <laughs> They're often less legitimate than they might seem. Dodgy used car salesmen who want to be your best friend and are polishing the bonnet. Oh, let me tell you, this is a great car, huh? But perhaps one that tops all of those, right? That give people a real cause of apprehension, a real cause of suspicion is ministers who talk about money. I mean, in all likelihood, there are people who would never come through these doors back here and sit among us. In fact, the reason that they're, they're not here right now, people here in Wyoming and, and across the Central Coast, the reason that they're not in church right now is because they, they're convinced that the church wants their money, right? That's after all, that's, that's why, I mean, isn't that why ministers, isn't that why pastors exist? We're just savvy swindlers trying to manipulate people out of cold, hard cash so that we can fly around in nice, fancy jets and cars and all of those things. I mean, that's kind of why we're here, right? You know, I had a, an, an old man tell me once, he said, look, if you want to be a real good pastor one day, this is years ago, he said, if you want to be a good pastor, you just need to be savvy at manipulating people because those are the guys that seem like they're the big hits and the big successes. And look, I actually wasn't at a joint when he said that because this is a guy, he's, he's not a Christian. And in his experience, what has he observed? He's observed sketchy televangelists 
who do just that, right? Who are, are out to manipulate people and, and, and take their money. And, and I'm, I'm, as, I'm just as sketched out by those people as he is. But, you know, those people that are doing that, they're not Christian ministers. They're false. And it's not the gospel. That's a false gospel. And so it's not Christianity. It claims to be Christian, but it's not Christian. Here's the interesting thing, and I didn't say this to this old bloke at the time. As I wanted to say to him, because he thought he was real cheeky saying that, so I just let him win, you know. Don't get in a spitting match with someone that's over 80. <laughs> just don't. Okay? So, so I said, now, now my secret's out. <laughs> so I didn't say this to him, but I wanted to. I wanted to say, well, you know, true Christianity, that, what you described as false, but do you know that Jesus actually requires more than just a little pinch of your paycheck? You know, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Forever would save his life will lose it. So Jesus actually requires a whole lot more than you just skimming off a little bit of your cash and handing it over to some church. Jesus requires your whole life, which is much, much more than just, again, a little bit of a paycheck. Now, let me say this at the very outset to sort of set the framework for us. When we think about giving, giving, Giving itself is, it's really bound up in the very fabric of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, okay? Giving is not just an add-on to the Christian faith or something that, you know, a, 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 a sort of a small little group of superhero Christians over there do. Giving is part and parcel of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And again, when I say giving, I don't simply mean a little amount that you drop into the offering box in the back or that you give online. I mean giving, if you are a follower of Jesus, giving your time, your talent, and your treasure. So when we ask, okay, what are some of the traits of a biblical church? Well, remember, if you've been here with us, the first trait we looked at is a, a biblical church is, well, it's one that gathers. I know that probably sounds elementary, but a church that doesn't gather is not a church. That's what a church is. It's the assembly. So, Little tick number one is a biblical church is a gathered church. A biblical church is a speaking church. So again, just, just, just the mere fact that we are gathered doesn't make us true or right or orthodox. It's what we say about God, salvation, the gospel. So a biblical church is a gathered church, a speaking church. It's also a giving church. A giving church. And that's really the main 
takeaway today is that a biblical church is a giving church. A biblical church is a giving church. Now, I have a lot of peace to give this message. I don't know why, but in contemporary, maybe it's because of the abuse, but in contemporary Christian circles, pastors get really squirmy and awkward when it comes to this idea of giving. It's almost like, you know, the, the guy in high school who wants to ask the girl out, but he can't. You know, and he's kind of, oh, you know. That was me with April, by the way. You know, oh, um, you know, if you ever want to think about maybe giving, you can. I mean, I bet if you don't want to, you don't have to. But if you want to, if you ever thought about it, maybe you'd like to. But that's basically how I asked April out, you know, the way to go. Um, but but that's, that's kind of how pastors act when it comes to this idea. I, I, do you know what I'm saying? Have you ever gone to a church and, and there's like, here and it's your first time, feel no obligation to give because we don't want you to feel any obligation to give because you don't have to give. You don't need, don't want to. That's okay. It just, just, just don't, we're not that church down the road that wants your money. Like that's, that's what they're trying to say, right? And I, I mean, I understand that. I, I get that. But I think they're shortchanging, pun intended, they're shortchanging people a bit to say, look, actually Christianity, you can't, separate this idea of to be a Christian means to give, right? And, and again, not just, it's, it's a lot more than money. It means more than money. It's, it's your time. It's your talent and it's your treasure as well. And so I actually have a lot of peace to, I, 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 there's no, no, you know, nervousness in here for me. I, I'm actually, I think the, I think pastors shortchange their churches when they don't, when they're not clear about these things. And so if we want to be a biblical church, which I hope that's your desire, well then look, we need to be a church that gathers, speaks, and gives, period. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna unpack these three areas. Giving on our time, of our talent, and of our treasure. So that's, that's where we're headed. Why don't we do this, though, before we unpack those things? Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Gracious God, what we have not, give us. What we know not, teach us. What we are not, make us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let me start this off in case you're drifting at this point. I'll start, I'll see if you're awake. What do you give to this church? What do you give to this church? What does it cost you? What do you give to this church? What does it cost you? Well, that's pretty direct. He's starting to sound kind of like those prosperity <laughs> preachers. Why, do, why is the pastor asking that way? I mean, what's going on here? Because the reason I say that, everything that we have belongs to God. You have to understand that. The Bible says in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. 
everything, everything that we have belongs to God ultimately. Which means, if that's true, we are responsible to steward and to generously share from all that God has given us. That's sort of the base, you understand. Everything that we have belongs to God, so then therefore, if that's true, if that's true, according to Psalm 24 and other passages, then we are to freely, joyfully, give from that abundance of which God has already given to us and already ultimately owns anyways. Now, please don't hear this. Give us all your money. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying here. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am after is for you to step back for a second and to think about these areas. What am I giving in regards to the time that I'm putting into this church? So let's start there. Let's start with the time. Go to Ephesians. Let me show you the passage here. Ephesians 5. Um, this, this series, just for the record, is it's what's called a topical series. Typically, we do biblical exposition where we look chapter by chapter, verse by verse. At uh, We go through books of the Bible like we just did in Colossians. This particular series is a topical series, so we are looking at various truths, biblical truths that teach these things, sort of str- stringing them together. So... Uh, Ephesians 5, Paul has, he's writing to the church in Ephesus. He has laid out for the first three chapters doctrine. And then in the last three chapters, 4, 5, and 6, it's practice. So, in other words, here's what you believe and this is how you practice it. So, in chapter 5, we're in the practice bit. And, and he says this in Ephesians 5, verse 15. He says, look carefully. He's grabbing our attention here, right? He's, He's trying to make sure that we're awake. Be very careful. Look carefully then how you walk. That's how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. And He doesn't just leave it hanging for you to define what that means. He gives you examples. The very first one is making the best use of the time. Or you might have a translation that says making the most of every opportunity. Okay, so what that means when it says making the best use of the time, it has the idea of, have you heard the phrase redeem the time or buy up the time? That's what it... Okay, maybe you haven't heard the phrase, but maybe you've shot for a bargain. You've gone to Coastie's Bag of Bargain or, you know, Facebook Marketplace, and you're trying to, you're trying to find the best. I know Nigel does this. You're trying to find the best price possible. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're trying to find the best price possible, right? You're you're trying to say, okay, I, I'm look, I'm searching for a bargain. We've all we've all done this. And so what Paul's saying is, we should actually see our lives in that regard. We should view the time that God has given us not as just passing random, the sun rises and sets and here it goes, but we should see the time as opportunity to invest, so to speak, and give up time to walk as wise, uh, to walk as, as, as obedient Christians. 
because the days are evil, he says. Now, how does that work out in a church? Because we can think of ourselves, and, and that's good, and we, you know, okay, well, am I making the best use of the time? Yeah, all right, but how does this flesh out in a church? Well, one way this can be lived out in church life is for people to be proactive in their care and concern for fellow members. And here's the deal. If you're going to do that, it will require your time even outside this little window of time that we have here. What does Paul say? Some of us know this passage in Romans 12. He says, weep with those who weep, right? Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Have you heard that text before in Romans 12? But okay, we can't do that. We can't celebrate someone's victory, much less grieve with someone at this church if we're not around or really active in each other's lives. But Paul expects every Christian to care for fellow church members in ways that require us to spend our time generously. Think about what he says to the, ch the Christians that live in Galatia. He says this in Galatians 6, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, meaning sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a good spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And listen to this. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Doesn't that sound lovely? Wouldn't you want to be a part of a church that did just that? Bear each other's burdens. Well, I certainly want to be a part of a church like that. I want our church to smell and look like that. Restoring those, though, who have slid into sin, you have to understand, isn't the work of pastors only. It's the work of the whole church. And helping those caught in sin requires generous, ongoing gifts of your time. You see, when, when someone's caught in sin, what does he say there in Galatians? He doesn't say, tell the pastor about it. He'll deal with it. No, there's an expectation that we actually hold each other accountable. You know, if you have, uh, you, you know, where you're eating with someone and you're, it's a friend of yours and maybe they're eating a scone, right? And they get cream and then they get a little cream on their face, right? You, you actually want to help the person and say, hey, mate, you got, yeah, you got some cream on your face. It would be unhelpful to just be like, well, I'm, you know, that's, that's up to them. I'm not going to judge them. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to allow them to live their life. I, I, I don't, it's, it would be unloving of me to tell them that they've got you know, some stuff on their face. No, that would be, it would be unloving for you not to. I mean, they're going to look like an idiot, right? They're going to like walk around and they've got this on their face all day and then someone else is going to have to tell them. You know? In the same way, bearing each other's burdens and holding each other accountable is, is actually similar. It's akin to that. It's, it's holding a mirror up to someone and saying, look, friend, I just want to remind you of what it means to walk with Jesus. And the way in which you're living and the choices that you're making don't line up with that. You don't yell at them. You don't shake them. You don't rip their shirt. You just say, this is what Christianity is. But that takes time, doesn't it? 
that doesn't just happen like that. And that doesn't just happen in a little hour gathering that we have together spread out because of COVID. That has to happen with a life-on-life sort of relationship. And, and you have to invest, to, you have to get to know someone as well. You have to spend time with people. But that, again, you, that's giving though. It, it, you have to give your time in order to do that, in order to be known, make yourself known to know others, and then to actually not just you know, have this nice little lovely friendship, but to really spur one another on to godliness. I really pray that that culture permeates in this place, that there's a giving of oneself, not just to ministries or all these other things, that's all fine, but actually all those things could be gone tomorrow and evaporate. And as the pastor, I, could, I don't care. The main thing I'm concerned about is that we're living godly lives that honor the Lord. And in order to do that, though, you have to understand, you have a job, every single one of you, to actually give of your time. I mean, here's the deal, though. So I just want to ask, if we are too busy with our work and our school, how is it possible that we can do what I just described? I know that we're all busy in here. But if we're so consumed with our school and so consumed with our own life and our leisure, how is it that we can weep with those who weep? How is it that we can rejoice with those who rejoice? I mean, are your kids' sport so all-consuming and it requires so much time that you have none left to help Christians who are stuck in sin, let alone even know that they're stuck in sin? Or are you so consumed with your own worries in this world and this life that you have not a clue of what the church's needs are here because you're so consumed in your own dramas that you have no idea, oh, I didn't realize that that there was a great need going on in the church. You understand? It It requires, in order for us to live this sort of stuff out, it requires us to give, to, to give of ourselves, to give of our time, the, Lord, the time that God has given to us. That's why the Puritan Thomas Watson once said this. He said, time is a talent to trade with. Time is a talent to trade with. How much are you investing your time to build this church? How much time are you investing Right now, I mean, let's just be honest. That's not a, that's, this is rhetorical, so don't shut out nothing. <laughs> and I don't, by the way, just for the record, I don't get jollies. I don't get happy to like, ooh, I got them. It's just like, it's a waste of my time. But, I, so I'm not trying to like guilt you, right? I'm just, I'm just asking. Just, just do an assessment in your head. How much time, how much time are you giving to, to see this church built. I don't mean the building, though we could use some help. I hope you understand how you spend your time is quite revealing. It is. Where your time is spent, there your heart will be also. It just is. 
So a biblical church is one that gives of its time, where each individual gives of its time. And I hope that you have saw just there from Galatians too, it's not just, oh, well, yeah, okay, so what's the pastor saying? I'm going to grab a coffee this week with someone. That's fine. And I think it would be great if you grab a coffee with them. But if that's all it is, it's just sort of a, a mile wide and an inch deep superficial relationship. And I worry that probably happens too much here. Uh, what I'm after is actually a, a relationship that's saying, how are you going? No, no, really. How are you going? How, how is that sin that you were struggling with two weeks ago? See the difference? Well, that's a bit, in, in tr- a bit invasive. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. It's not comfortable. But that's, that's, that's what we're called to do according to Galatians 6, you see. Bear each other's burdens. So, how much time are you giving? How much time are you giving to see this church built? That's a question that you need to ask yourself. Second is, a biblical church is a giving church when it's people, what they do is they freely give of their time and they freely give of their talents. Now, what do I mean by talents? I simply mean a spiritual gift. A, a spiritual gift the Lord has given you. Each of you, actually. Let me show you what I mean. Go, to, um, go back to the left in your Bibles till you hit the book of 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, if you want to turn there. Um, one of the amazing things about the body of Christ is the diversity of gifts the Spirit has given to build up the church. Look, look at this. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now, interesting stuff here. Hopefully, one thing you can pick up is how the Lord has arranged the body of Christ so that every member needs the other. In order to flourish, the church needs every gift the Spirit has given for its growth. You know, I I often get asked this question. Um, Do I have a gift? Like, do I I have a... I I I don't think I have a... I don't think I have a spiritual gift, you know? I'm not so, I'm not so sure what I'm, what my role is in the body, you know. Maybe like, maybe you're in like an appendix, you know. No one really knows what you function, but when you blow up, it contaminates the whole body, you know. It's better to remove the appendix, I reckon, if that's you. I'm serious. So, wh- what gift do we have? Well, or do you have a gift? Well, look at verse 7. I mean, look what he says. He says, notice, 
to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. By manifestation of the Spirit, Paul means a spiritual gift. His point is that every gift is given to every individual, and it has a purpose, right? What does it say? For the common good, for the strengthening of the whole body. Spiritual gifts were never given to exalt individual Christians, okay? They're given for the glory of Christ and for the building of his church. Spiritual gifts are not given so that individuals can look cool or feel good about themselves. They are given to glorify Christ and build his church. That's, that's why Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So, but here's the deal about spiritual gifts, okay? Some of them might seem to you a bit mundane, right? Like service, mercy, administration, but they're not. God has arranged the body so that every member needs the others. So I guess my question is, do you, let's just say, maybe some of you in here this, this morning, do you have a knack for getting things done? And especially getting things done in a way that leaves everyone that's involved with that feeling encouraged and cared for. Well, you may have the gift of administration. Do you have a track record of serving those in need? Well, you might have the gift of helps. See, not every Christian possesses every spiritual gift, but all Christians possess some gifts. And the Spirit has given these so that we can be strengthened. You have a role in this church, you have a gift. We need you, we need every single one of you. How are you using the gift God has given you for his glory and for building up of this church? And again, it may not be something that looks, uh, you know, quote unquote miraculous or quote unquote you know, hip or cool or whatever, but every single one of you has something to contribute. And, and I think it's pretty clear there, both from the passage I quoted in First Peter as well as here, that this not the task of doing ministry, right? What, even in, if you look at Ephesians, if, you, if, you, if we were to go back to that, it talks about equipping the saints, my job and Dan's job and Andrew's job, as elders, is to equip the saints, that means Christians, for the works of ministry. Okay, so like our job is to teach, admonish, encourage, empower all of you so that you are doing the works of ministry. Otherwise, we're just hired hands, you know, and you can vicariously do ministry through us sitting in your chair thinking that you're doing it, but you're, you're actually not. It's a bit deceiving. You see what I'm saying? How, how, how many big churches have you been to where there's a real charismatic figure and the people there come just to church and that's about all their Christianity is. They come, they stare at the back of each other's heads. 
their hired hands up front, and they kind of agree with the bloke that's talking up there, and so then they're vicariously doing their Christianity through him. You see? But that's, that's not how the church is really supposed to work. Our, our job is to actually empower all of you, every single one of you sitting in this chair, if you're a Christian, and seeing you go out and reach your friends, your family, your loved ones, to be empowering you to reach this community and to be serving here in this church. So again, I asked, like a question I asked in the beginning, what are you doing to serve this church? What are you giving to this church? What does it cost you? Are you giving of your time? Are you giving of your talent? And lastly, are you giving of your treasure? Of your treasure. So turn with me, go way to the left now. Go to the book of Exodus. Book of Exodus. This, this is, you know, this is actually quite fascinating because if you know the story, in Exodus 13, Moses did the, just did the whole, you know, showdown with Pharaoh, let my people go, and Passover and all of that. And, and right in, sort of, right on the, out of the gates of Egypt, so to speak, so right out of the gates, um, there's this expectation that God's people give. It's interesting. You know, it's not, like they're, they're redeemed people, and there's this expectation right out of the gates of Egypt, God says, I just want you to know that when you get into the promised land, this is what I expect of you. Look at Exodus 13. Exodus 13. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever's the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, by a strong hand. The Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today, in the month of Abib, you are going, and when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. So it's really interesting. They are to consecrate or dedicate an offering to the Lord. And mind you, this offering that they're to do it, did you catch that? It's the best. It's, it's right off the top. It's the firstborn. It's not sloppy seconds. It's not just the change that they sort of, you know, a couple, you know, gold coins that they grabbed out of their car and decided to chuck in the offering plate that week. No, 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 this is right off the top. First fruits, the best. Now drop down, let your eyes drop down to verse 11. He says, When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all the first opens the womb. You see that? All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall have redeemed with a lamb. And, you go, and he goes on and on and on. He says, all the firstborn, the first fruits, the best of what you have, and then he talks about when this happens, you know what's inevitably going to happen? You ever hear the phrase, more is caught than taught? Your kids are going to go, Dad, what are you doing? What's, why are we doing these things? 
Why, 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 you know, as, as kids do. And then the dad and mom can say, well, this is why we're doing it. Because the Lord owns all things. Because he brought us out of Egypt. Because if we're a redeemed people, we're a giving people. Because more is caught than taught. Parents, your kids will see the way in which you steward the time and the talent and the money that God has given you. They're watching you. More is caught than taught. You know, and, and uh, an opportunity to actually give of your treasures would be something as simple as this. When you make, because some of you are like, well, I don't have, you ever notice everyone doesn't think they're rich? I'm not rich, and if I were rich, every, look, everyone in this room is rich when you compare it to third world nations. Everyone in this room is rich, like by a long shot. Okay, so like, you know, there's, there's always the, I'm not rich, and if I was rich, yeah, I, here's an interesting thing I always hear people say, oh, if I was rich, I'd be super generous. No, you wouldn't. You know why? Because you're not generous now. So who's to say you'd be generous if you had a lot more? You'd just be more stingy. Seriously. If, if, you're, not, if you're not generous with, with what you have now, who's to say you'd be generous if you had more? You wouldn't. Now, now that said, is I understand that we're not a rich church. I get that. But every single one of you, as your individuals of this church, there's a very simple thing you can do. How many of you are going to eat dinner this week? Yeah, okay, everybody, right? Now, what you, it's something very simple what you can do. Is you can, if you, if you like to make lasagna or whatever, instead of just making one lasagna, make two, okay? And you take the second lasagna, and you can come talk to myself or Andrew or Dan, and believe me, there's people in this church that could really use that right now, and you make it with your kids. This is all credit to April. This is what she's done. Makes food. Or even as simple as pick flowers in your garden and bring it to someone in this church. And don't just drop it on their door. You know, tell them, make sure they don't have food allergies. You know, ask all those appropriate questions because you bring it and they're like, oh man, I'm, I can't eat this. <laughs> then you can bring it to me. No, but you know, Make sure they don't have the, you know, check the food allergies and say, hey, I want to bless you with this. And then not, rather than just say, well, there you go, you pray with the person. You speak truth into their life. Remember, remember what we need remember from the book of Colossians is people, what, what was so great about trustworthy Tychicus, do you remember? Is that he spoke truth. That, that's what we need. So, so the meal itself isn't like, okay, well, there you go. Look, I did that with, I grew up with my good mate who was a Mormon. And, and they, used to, um, they used to surprise people with Christmas trees, okay? But, like, th there's no gospel in that. More, like, that's, there's no gospel in the Mormons doing that, right? They're, that's a nice gesture. I think it's great that they would give Christmas trees of these things that they put in people's homes back in America. You know, these green things that you, whatever. Whatever. So... They, they, used to, they used to do those things. But look, I mean, they, they did that. It was a nice gesture, but there's a difference between, say, here's the point I'm driving at. There's a difference of you just going, well, I'm going to do a nice gesture. Actually, I'm going to make this a gospel moment. Does that make sense? Well, I'm actually going to take this opportunity to see how this individual is going, to actually pray for them, to read, just read a, a psalm to them. There's the difference. There's what, there's what makes it just a nice gesture that other religions might do to actually making a gospel offering, a giving of your treasure. 
Does, does that make sense? Do you see the difference? It's the like, same thing as like having a coffee. Oh, if you, like, like, if, like if Ross and I just grabbed a coffee today after ser- service and all we did was talk about Katy Perry, okay? <laughs> There's not much to talk about her. <laughs> At least for good music. But if, but, if, but, if all, but if all we did was talk about, like, that's fine, but that's not Christian fellowship, you see. Where it becomes Christian fellowship, Ross knows that I, I can, I, he knows I, I can mess with him. So, but if that's not, you see the difference? That's not, like, where it's going to turn differently is to say, hey, I know you had a really hard week a couple weeks ago. How are you going now? How's your, how's your walk with Jesus going? What's, what can I be praying for you for? And he's doing the same to me. That's where, that's, where, that's where it's turning and it's becoming different than just, oh, we get together and we had a coffee and we talked about Katy Perry or the whatever. And, and that's the difference when you give of your treasure, you see. It's not just a nice gesture to do for charity or like working at a, uh, you know, helping the needy or whatever, but you're actually turning this into an opportunity, making the most of every opportunity, making the best use of the time. Does that make sense? Do you see the difference? That's what I really pray this church looks like. I want to be a part of a church like that. Truly, really. So, whatever earthly treasures God has given us, he wants us to invest them into eternity. One of the main ways we invest our wealth is by investing into the body of Christ. Giving earthly treasures involves far more than dropping money in an offering box. You're already starting to see a picture of it. Whatever possessions we own are given by God for us to steward for others' good and his glory. God has given us some measure of time and talent and treasure and if we're a biblical church, we need to be a people who freely give that time, give that talent, and give that treasure. Amen? That's what I'm after. So what are we doing to, to get after those things? I want you to really have a good think on that. In fact, let me do this, because I'm, I'm done with, with the sermon. I'll give you just, as, um, as Ross comes up here in a moment, um, I'll give it, maybe just, let's just take 30 seconds, you know, 30 seconds, it doesn't have to be awkward, but just 30 seconds of silence to really just help us think for a second, okay, well, what am I doing in those three areas? And maybe just jot something down. And, or, or maybe, maybe, if you're friends with someone, the person next to you, five, one pi, 1.5 meter next to you, maybe, uh, you know, ask and say, hey, what, how can I, what am I doing, or what do you think, given my life right now, I can be helping out in these areas, or what do you see that's lacking, or you see what I'm saying? It's, it, I don't want us to just go, oh, nice message, pastor. You know, there it goes, and that's the end of it. Like, this is hopefully very tactile. Like, what are those three things? So take just 30 seconds, and then we'll, we'll do communion together, okay? Just take 30 seconds of silence, or, or thinking.
Now, if you are a Christian here this morning, if you have saying, yes, I have turned my life over to Jesus. Remember I was saying it's not just about, you know, stuff. By the way, you're not justified by any of those things. All the stuff we were talking about, giving of your time and your talent and your treasure, that's all what Jesus expects of his followers. So if you're a follower and you're not, you're not, you don't earn any points with God by those things when it comes to salvation. You're saved, if you're a Christian, you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, his whole life leading up to that point, never sinned, never once. But as he was on the cross, God treated him as if he was a sinner. In other words, he executed Jesus as if he lived your life so he could treat you as if you lived his. The Bible says God made him, Christ, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you are a Christian this morning, and you say, I am clinging to that reality right now, that truth, then this is an opportunity for you to celebrate that reality. Jesus himself started this saying, when you come together, right, do this in remembrance of me. This is like my body. It symbolizes this little wafer, and, and Ross already explained the little bits and pieces. The wafer is like my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So this is an opportunity for you to say, yes, I'm doing that, and visibly, tangibly, I'm identifying with Jesus.